Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. So I think this is even really prevalent within our day and age today when, you know, when there's a lot of, you know, racial talk going on right now and and all that. Here's what I think is amazing. When you get up to heaven, when it's all said and done, you look out, the sea of people. I think there's going to be variations in skin color. I think there's going to be all sorts of beautiful, beautiful scene of just people redeemed by the blood of Jesus, worshiping Jesus together. You don't have to look very far before you see some controversy having to do with race relations. Racism has become one of the biggest hot-button topics of our day. There's not only division concerning how to deal with it, but even as to what defines it. In today's message, Pastor James teaches that the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can truly unite us across all divides. Jesus doesn't care what language you speak or what color your skin is. His blood was shed for every man, woman, and child. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 5 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Come find me in heaven if you don't have a heart, all right? Because, listen, um, you got better things to do, number one. (laughs) Number two, I'm not saying that anybody gets a harp or not. These guys have harps. They have harps. What fascinates me is what else is in their hands? They have these bowls, these gold bowls filled with incense or the prayers of God's people, which is amazing. These bowls of prayers. The, the thing about incense, and, and some, of, some of us may, may know about this, some of us may know better of, of incense than others, maybe because of past experiences with incense, um, masking smells and things like that. In order for the incense to rise, you need fire. You need fire. And so that's a good little reminder, too, the, these prayers. What, what, man, what do I need? What do I need? When I'm praying to the Lord, man, I need fire. I need fire in my soul. Who's going to spark that fire? Who's going who's gonna to breathe you know, fresh on that? On that uh, you know, at times, maybe it's just a little ember or whatever. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I would encourage all of us um, as believers is even before you start praying, it's always, it's always a good idea to say, hey, you know, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me and fan those flames inside of me because I want these prayers to be as like incense. I, I want these prayers to be preserved in some golden bowl up in heaven. Psalm 41, or yeah, Psalm 41 verse 2 says this, accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Prayer and incense has always been kind of connected throughout the scriptures. These bowls of prayers is that every prayer that you've ever prayed contained within these bowls. I don't know. It could be. It absolutely very well could be. Could it be more specific prayers, such as, Lord, your will be done? Absolutely, it could be that. There's nothing wrong with even even functioning or going on from today with the the idea that Every single one of your prayers may be preserved by God up in heaven in a, in a golden bowl. 
Just like every little artwork that you or your child has ever made for you, you may not have hold, held on to all of these things, okay, or throughout time, but you need to understand, and whether you've held on to them or not, if you haven't, that doesn't make you a bad parent, because I'm about to say something that might think you're a bad parent. God has never thrown away any of your prayers. But what if they weren't prayed rightly? What if they were selfish prayers? I don't know what he does with this. I don't, know, I don't know if he just preserves the ones that were like unselfishly motivated. I have no clue, but I do know this. God is a loving heavenly father, and he's got these bowls that are filled with incense, the prayers of God's people. How big are those bowls? I don't know. Because I know this, God's people are not just us. It's a global thing. All throughout history, all throughout history, and these elders, 24 of them, 24 elders, each one has a golden bowl filled with the prayers of God's people. I would say take encouragement from that as you're praying, and it feels as though God's not listening. Please know he is listening. He is hearing you out. Now, if you got sin in your, in your life, and, and there, Peter speaks about that, of like, hey, listen, if, you, if you're being a knucklehead, there, there's a prayer you need to be praying, but it's not asking for God to give you more stuff. It's more of like, God, I need you to forgive me for, being a, for sinning, for being a knucklehead, right? You don't want anything hindering your prayers, okay? Now, does that mean that they won't make it into the bowl or not? I don't know, but I do know this. God hears. He is very aware of each and every, each and every person's situation and circumstance and, and the outcries of, of nations, the outcries of specific people groups. God hears all of that stuff. He hears the cries of his children. He hears the cries of his children. And what we're told from here is that he preserves those things. And so now they break out in a song. It's so amazing. Like, the worship of Jesus starts even before any songs are, are, are sang. That's what's so cool. And that's a good thing about church. This is a, here's the thing as a pastor, how to, how to go to church. I could teach a whole lesson on this. How to go to church. Well, it starts with you worshiping Jesus from your house before you even show up on a Sunday morning, okay? Because if you're in, like most people, like even counting myself, it's just, it's chaos, it's chaos, it's chaos, until I walk through the doors in church, and then it's like, okay, I'm ready to worship now. It's like, okay, I get it, I understand that, but the best way is to start worshiping him before the music even starts, before the music even starts. Let that worship spill out into your musical worship, the songs of praise. That's what happens here. These, the, the 24 elders, they're the ones who start singing this song, new song, new as in an excellent song, or new basically concerning the subject matter of the song. This song has never been sang before, and this is a really rad song, is what the Bible is saying. They sing a new song with these words, you are worthy, Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals and open it. For you were killed and your blood has ransomed people for God. From every tribe 
and language and people and nation. That's pretty like, that covers everybody. That just covers everybody. It, look how amazing this is. I, I love this about the Bible. There is no single person on this planet who is excluded from the free gift of salvation. It doesn't matter if you're in the remote jungles of South America. Jesus knows how to save anyone, even if they don't speak the common language of the day. So again, you're, you're, you're already there with John, and then you see like, oh man, that's Jesus. Like, Jesus is just taking that scroll. And then you're watching these 24 elders drop down, and they start worshiping, and they start singing this beautiful song of how it was Jesus. What makes him worthy? His sacrifice made him worthy. His taking our sins upon himself is what made him worthy. And John's seeing this beautiful picture that essentially is being foretold from this song of like, when you're in heaven... What you will see, and, and this is another kind of cool concept about heaven, I don't think when we get there, it, you're just going to be this indistinguishable being, okay? I don't know if people teach that or not, but I think we fail to forget or we fail, we fail to remember the fact that when you get to heaven, I think we will recognize each other how we know each other, so to speak. Now, glorified bodies, what does that mean? Well, sinless is what it means. Free of sin, free of the effects of sin, which, which could, you know, a lot of, you know, we live in a fallen world, and sometimes there's, there's health issues that come along with that. There's deterioration of your eyesight. We were just talking about that. There's, um, you know, all sorts of things. It's free of all that stuff, but I think you hold on to your uniqueness, if I could say that right, in heaven. The Mount of Transfiguration is one of the, the classic examples of that, where there's Jesus, and there's, he's got his three guys with him, and then like there's Moses and Elijah show up. Well, how do they know that's Moses and Elijah, right? That's the argument. How do they know? They, these guys lived thousands of years before them. Moses, for sure. How did they know that's Moses? Was he wearing a name tag? No, probably not. There's probably not going to be any name tags in heaven right? That's not what Peter's passing out at the pearly gates. Like, here's your name tag. Hello, my name is James. Oh, cool. No, God has not made any mistakes in how he's created us. So I think this is even really prevalent within our day and age today when, you know, when there's a lot of, you know, racial talk going on right now and, and all that. Here's what I think is amazing. When you get up to heaven, when it's all said and done, you look out, the sea of people, I think there's going to be variations in skin color. I think there's going to be all sorts of beautiful, beautiful scene of just people redeemed by the blood of Jesus, worshiping Jesus together. But what if they don't speak English? Who said English is the language of heaven, right? Nobody knows what the language of heaven's going to be. That's not even a that's not even a problem. But I do hope that we see the beauty of heaven in the multiplicity of people. And as this is talking about how he, Jesus, he, he ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every, and people and nation. 
It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be what so many people are, are longing for here on this planet, but it is absolutely unattainable on this planet. Why would I say that? It seems like I'm bursting the bubble of hope, right? Because we're working together. If we can all work together, we can solve this problem. My thing is, the Bible is very clear when it comes to getting along with your neighbor, <laughs> regardless of who they are. Jesus says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And I believe the moment he proclaims that and pronounces that as a command, the enemy comes alongside and says, I'm going to do anything that I can to mess up one and two. So the command for us to love our neighbors as ourselves, we need to understand, I believe, I believe, you know, is what we're experiencing right now within our nation, I believe the issue of racism is a spiritual attack. I think, it's, I think Satan loves to cause disruption amongst God's creation. People, because people are the image bearers, we, are, we know that from Genesis chapter 1, he created man and woman in his own image. That was being attacked by Satan from the very beginning, and it'll continue to be attacked by Satan until it's all said and done. Can people get along? Absolutely, and we see it within churches, and it's amazing. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, it is, it is possible. Under the banner of Jesus, people can come together. But if we think that we can solve the issue of racism by just coming together and through our own human strength and all this stuff, listen, if Jesus isn't the, the biggest part of that equation, then it's just not happening. It's not going to happen. We can get close, maybe, I don't know. But the, the notion of loving your, loving your neighbor is always going to be attacked by the enemy. It's because it came out of the mouth of Jesus, and it's a requirement for his followers. So you need to understand it's going to be an attack. It's going to be one of those points, because Satan doesn't like that. Satan hates to see white people and black people worshiping Jesus together. He hates that. So he will attack that. He will come against that. Now, praise God that I think we have made strides in the right direction and all that stuff. But man, this is a spiritual battle. And our enemy is not each other. Our enemy is Satan. We have one enemy, and his name is Satan. So with that said, this beautiful picture of like euphoric, whatever, it is possible, but it's possible you know, in the end of it all. And that's a new heaven, new earth, and people will be together. People from all different tribes and tongues and nations and all that stuff, we will be worshiping Jesus together perfectly. That day is coming. We get small glimpses of that today. And again, it's the coolest things. And it's one of our main prayers for, for Calvary Galveston is that this would be a diverse body of Christ, that anybody from all kinds of backgrounds could be here with the one goal and focus of worshiping Jesus. Because what we do here is practice for what we're going to do there for eternity. And the more diverse, I mean, the more diverse the group is, the more it just looks like heaven. You know? There's not a black church in heaven. There's not a white church in heaven. There's not a Hispanic church in heaven. That doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's just the church in heaven together, worshiping Jesus. What an amazing thing. 
So John's there. He's, he's hearing the song. I mean, these, these elders are singing, about, singing out about how amazing Jesus is and how worthy he is. Verse 11, then I looked again and I heard the singing of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the elders. Basically saying, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. It's just, it's an incalculable number. You can't, you can't calculate. He has no way of counting up exactly how many beings, whether they're elders or seraphim or other angels, he, he, there's no way for him to count just how many beings are crying out, are singing out and worshiping Jesus. An amazing thing. It says, and they sang in a mighty chorus. Now, like, this is, this is, that, thing that, this is that thing that should give you the goosebumps, because all of heaven is singing this. The Lamb is worthy, the Lamb who was killed. He is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He is worthy of all of it. It says, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, that's Little Mermaid style there, right? Like everybody... From the oceans to the creatures that live under the earth, to the, to the creatures that are living on the earth, to everything that is occupying heaven. Could be speaking of the atmosphere, or maybe it's even the birds, or it's presently. He already knows. Everybody's already singing where he's at. It says, then I heard this chorus break out from all creation. And they sang. Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. See, creation will cry out. Creation is groaning right now. We know that. The creation is groaning. But there will be a day where creation does cry out. It sings out, and here's what it cries, it cries out for. It cries out to God and to Jesus, and it proclaims that they are worthy. They are worthy. And John hears this. Like, this is what's so incredible about this. He's seeing all this stuff happen in heaven, and then it's just like, what's that noise? And then somehow or another, he can maybe, I don't know if he can look down on earth. I have no idea, but what he experiences, what he senses with his, the, you know, his hearing is that all of earth, creation-wise, now that I don't think this is speaking of people, I think this is speaking of creation itself, you know, all the animals, back from Genesis chapter 1, everything that he created from the very beginning is singing his praises. They're singing his praises. Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one who is, sit, who is sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Verse 14, and the four living beings said, amen. Those seraphim that are saying, holy, 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 when the, when the chorus of creation cries out, sings out, seraphim covered in eyeballs, their response is, amen. Or we agree with that. <laughs> Amazing. And their whole job is just to fly around the throne day and night, 24-7. And they, they amen the praise of creation, directing it, obviously, back towards the creator. 
says, then the 24 elders fell down and worshiped God and Jesus, or and the Lamb. They, they prostrate themselves, is what that says. They, they drop to their knees, and then they fell on their faces before God and before Jesus. This is wild worship, right? Like, this is, this is incredible. This is amazing that here it is. Like, man, this is the heavenly scene, the heavenly throne room. This is all leading up to the, the justice that will be delivered on this planet that everybody's crying out for right now. Oh, here's my thing. You're crying out for justice. Are you ready for justice? The best way to be ready for justice, because only Jesus can really deliver the true justice that our world is in desperate need of and that creation itself is crying out for. Man, the only way to be ready for that is to be sealed by him before it happens. Before it happens. Because we could all be crying out for justice, but if you're not sealed, then you're going to experience the justice of God that you're desperately crying out for, and you might be on the wrong side of it. And here's John who's like, he got called up into this heavenly scene. He got raptured up into this heavenly scene, and he gets to see this. He gets to see this experience happen there in the throne room. And it's all just a buildup before the seals get broken off and injustice and judgment. Judgment will be poured out on this earth. The people might not want to cry out these things. The people may not want to sing these things. But creation will sing. Creation will ascribe to Jesus his proper due, and that's worship. It's amazing. And so us as believers, this should be an encouragement. If you're maybe watching... Uh, and you're like, man, I, I kind of want to see this happen. Well, it's very simple. Um, when John was called up into this experience, so to speak, back in chapter 4, verse 1, there was a door that had been opened. The only way in through a door. His name is Jesus. So if you want to be on this side of it all, then, well, you need to surrender to Jesus. You need to Accept the fact that he is the li- he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the Messiah, absolutely. But he was also slaughtered on a cross for our sins. You have to come to terms with that. You have to come to terms with that. So he has to be your lion and your lamb. He's got to be your savior. And the only way that that's done is through this surrendering of yourself over to him and acknowledging the fact that, Jesus, I am a sinner, and you are my savior. And it's just, it's simple prayers like that of, Lord, then please save me. Jesus, save me. I surrender. It doesn't take a lot. It's just a surrender of, of the fact that he's the only way in, and it's only through him. Our encouragement to anybody listening, watching, whatever, if you don't know where you stand in this story, the, the, the smartest thing to do is just to say, you know what, Jesus, man, I... I surrender. I'm all yours. I'm all yours. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you, you took all my sins upon yourself. I know that I'm a sinner. I think we can all be comfortable with the fact that we all know we're sinners. We get that. Um, but it's taking it that, step forward, that, that one step further, saying, Jesus, you took my sins upon yourself on the cross. And you died on the cross for me. And you rose from the grave for me so that I could be there with you so that I could be there with you. In the end of it all, forever with Jesus, that's the goal. That's the goal. Oh,
What we learn from Revelation and many other books of the Bible is a continuous journey. We appreciate our time with you here today on Bread for the Broken. Our host is Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas with Pastor James Grizzle. This ministry is dedicated to spreading the truth of the gospel through the study and reading of God's Word so that everyone can find hope and new life in Jesus Christ. If this has resonated with your soul, we'd encourage you not to ignore that. Would you reach out to us by visiting our webpage, breadforthebroken.com? We'd love to talk with you. You can get started by locating the contact tab at the top of the page and submitting an email that will be securely sent to us. Better yet, why not come and join us as we worship Jesus together? We're a laid-back, uncomplicated group of people, simply seeking to love like Jesus better than we have before. We'd be overjoyed to have you come. Just mark it on your calendar Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or Thursdays at 7 p.m. Take your pick or come to both. Understandably, not all of our listening audience is near Galveston, Texas, but we hope that you'll join us on our live stream so you don't miss out on any inspiring and challenging messages from Pastor James Grizzle. Make sure to visit breadforthebroken.com to learn more. Did the words you heard today make an impact on your day? Would you consider donating to this ministry? We're so thankful for your financial support. To get more information, go to breadforthebroken.com. That's all we have for today, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.